professional or amateur athlete is injured, time to treatment is critical. That's why more tri-state schools and coaches trust the trainers and doctors of Beacon Orthopedics. In fact, more than 30 high schools, club, college, and pro teams choose Beacon Orthopedics as their official medical providers. On the sidelines and in the operating room, we get athletes back in the game safely and quickly with comprehensive sports medicine care. At Beacon Orthopedics, we care for the pros, student-athletes, and weekend warriors every day. Welcome into another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer, and pleased to be joined by OHSA Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass. And uh, we're going to be talking about the state football finals this week. Obviously, for the third consecutive season, the state football championships will be held at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. As always, you can get this WCPO High School Insider Podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. And I want to remind everybody, this High School Insider Podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants, or catering is Chick-fil-A's winning play of the game, perfect for your holiday parties. Order today in the app. And uh, Jerry, really appreciate you taking a few minutes. And uh, how's everything going as you prepare for the state football finals this week? Well, you know, this, this really is a special week. Uh, you know, somebody asked me a while back, you know, what one of my favorite weekends of all the tournaments are. And I said, ironically, you know, having administrated the sport of basketball and coached it, uh, I love that weekend or love that two weeks, really. But you know, with football, uh, I never administrated the sport, used to coach it, you know, loved to manage it at the tournament level. And it is really, truly a special weekend with, you know, seven games like that and um, good football weather. So, so I love the weekend. It's going well. Obviously, uh, you spoke to the uh, Hall of Fame Luncheon Club there in Canton on Monday, and uh, uh, one of the topics I think that I continue to hear here in uh, Greater Cincinnati, and obviously we have two teams up in Canton this week, LaSalle playing Maslin on Thursday night and Elder playing Pickerington Central on Friday night, um, but uh, certainly um, one of those issues that uh, you know well is uh, uh, the um, the state finals venue themselves for the, the seven state championship games in football, and uh, obviously nothing has been announced for anything beyond this week. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, seeing what the repository article said and everything, uh, how much are you looking forward to uh, a possible long-term solution to the state football finals venue? Well, you know, it, it's a, when I say it's a, a fairly complex answer when I say this, certainly from an executive director's role in this association, I don't cherish the idea of having to look for a place every single year. Um I'm also going to tell you that I'm not a big fan of 10-year contracts. I, I, I think so many things can happen in those 10 years that changes the landscape unbelievably. Uh, but I go back to, you know, I don't like going back and forth. Now, keeping in mind that uh, just a little over a year ago when I took over, um, you know, here we were in, I think, as late as might be September. I took over in July, and there was nothing set in stone where we were going to go. So... I mean, there was really no opportunity except to try to go back to where we're at. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, you know, and, and I really did, we had no overtures from anybody interested. And maybe I shouldn't even say that. But right. We didn't have anybody really interested. So I wanted to lock up this year as quick as I could. And then I'd like to lock up a few more years. I, I think the most complex thing about it, Mike, you know, I mentioned it being a complex answer, is that, you know, or communities or sites or venues, whatever you want to say, have to want us. And I think that's 
we go all the way through the tournament level from starting in the second round where we're looking for neutral sites and people just think we can play anywhere we want. And it just does not work that way. I wish it did. And you get into some of the sports like soccer, you get into the sports like baseball, that's even more complex. People just don't, there's not a whole lot of incentive to host two schools. So, you know, that complexity exists. The state finals, um, you know, a little bit more rewarding, but it's more than just playing the games. I mean, there has to be parking. There has to be uh, egress in and out. There has to be, um, you know, we have the luxury of the Hall of Fame where football, you know, the the birthplace of football in Canton, Ohio, where all of our players at the tournament get free access to the Hall of Fame. And I think that's special. So there are all these other little things that go into it. And the bottom line that nobody wants to hear, Mike, I, 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 people think I'm nuts when I say it, but I'm also very transparent. We are not taxpayer funded. So when people say it's all about money, it is not all about money. And you can ask any high school player. We try to make that experience the most special and uh, lifelong memories. At the same time, we are a business. And we cannot just go to places where we're going to lose money. So we have to rely on those venues making us good deals. So that's, that's just fact. And that's, you know, my, by me being transparent with that, that sometimes creates a lot of uh, controversy. It creates a lot of negative responses to me, especially on social media. Hey, I'm just telling you the truth after, you know, a hundred and some years of this organization, we are a business and we have to look out that we can't be wasteful of our money and we have to be sensitive about it. And I think a lot of people here uh, forget the fact that Stark County hosted the state finals 1990 to 2013 before it went to Columbus for three seasons. And, you know, I think uh, I've heard uh, some people talk about and maybe seen some comments about, you know, LaSalle driving almost four hours on Thursday night playing Maslin, obviously only a 17 minute drive, but nothing new. I mean, we've had Cincinnati teams, uh, go up to Canton and obviously win state titles there before. But uh, is there any been thought, any any conceive or any notion of of, of changing uh, the possibility of a Thursday night? And, and you know, because a lot of people have said, oh, you know, I got to take two days off of work, or it's just not not easy to get up there during during the week like that. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. I mean, I, again, sometimes when people reach out about that and say things. It's like you know, you never thought of that. Well, certainly we think of that. Well, first of all. In Canton, um, we cannot play on Sunday um, because it's an NFL stadium and they will, I don't blame them, they don't want us playing on an NFL day. Um, So that limits us a little bit. The other part of that is, and this varies by venue. I know some states can run four games in a day, Um, you know, probably with the number of divisions that we have. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I'm certain there's some that are. That aspect of it, though, is that we do have to give, and I should say the Pro Football Hall of Fame, has to account for an awards ceremony. Yes, can we make them a little shorter? Yeah, maybe. Um, We have to count on the time for the in and out and the proper field time, and we have to count for the in and out of traffic flow. So those things really kind of limit us to the three games per day, starting at 10 in the morning. And keep in mind, we already get complaints about people having to play at 10 in the morning. Right. 
ironically, we get very few complaints by teams or coaches, uh, but we do from the fans. So there are so many limiting factors. It's not that we don't consider those things. It's just that our association with the venue that runs it, uh, that's the best solution we have at this point. I'm always curious, do you or your staff, I mean, do they... Do you go to these coaches, to these athletic directors and principals, and maybe just get kind of a, a informal survey or a poll of you know how everybody felt the experience was, you know, regardless of winning or winning or losing? Yeah, and you know that's something that we are doing better each year. Football has done that. Um, I will tell you that as a sport administrator uh, in my past history here. I'm not sure I did a great job of that, you know, in the sports I administrated. You know, again, I'm talking basketball, baseball, sure. you know, lacrosse, all those others. Um, we're doing a much better job of that. Uh, by me leaving my former role and splitting those sports up amongst many people, uh, I think they just have more room. I don't think they're as swamped with administrating as many sports as I did. And uh, But football does do that. Football does. And, and we have a great relationship with the Coaches Association, too. Uh, to take their advice on things. I want to remind everybody this WCPO High School Insider Podcast presented by a local Chick-fil-A restaurants where the winning play is always chicken. Go for the extra point with the side of their new macaroni and cheese. We're talking to OHSA Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass as uh, we prepare for the state football championships this week in Canton. And uh, Jerry, a question I always get, I've brought this up to you before, obviously, um, Cincinnati. Uh, when, uh, when can we ever see a state football championship in Cincinnati or Southwest Ohio? And can I give us uh, maybe a uh, a synopsis of uh, maybe some of the bids that have made uh, been made here in the in the past few years. Well, you know, and, and since I have been involved in it, there has been no bidding process. Um, and I think we know I, it's incumbent upon us to know who's interested. And I don't think that's any secret out there. I don't think we have to put out in the paper that you know we're seeking bids. I, I don't think it really has to work that right. way. Um, we can gauge what areas have interest. You know, I would say this clear across the state at Toledo. Uh, Toledo in the past has voiced some interest. We also have to consider, is it the wisest move to put it on the corner of a state? Um, and I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. I'm just saying it has to be weighed a little bit. So I guess a lot of this boils down to, you know, the interest that sites or venues areas of the state show. And that's, by the way, true with many of our sports. We may soon, uh, we may see changes in state basketball where uh, Ohio State University may not be available to us anymore. So a lot of that is going to depend upon the interest that those places have. And another key part of this too, Mike, is the involvement of the local convention and visitors bureaus. Uh, because we want it to be a good experience, not only for the players, but also for the uh, school communities and the people coming to the game. And reading that article by uh, by the Canton Repository today, I mean, obviously, and this has been no secret about, you know, um, the situation in Columbus and in Ohio State. Um, somebody had asked me, and I thought maybe it was an interesting point. I mean, has there been a possibility or, or a, uh, an option of looking at maybe another venue within the Columbus area, such as Upper Arlington? Um, because I think I hear a lot from people in Cincinnati say, well, you know, we understand maybe we don't get the state championships down here in Cincinnati or in Southwest Ohio, but it's just that drive to Canton. <laughs> so I mean, is there a uh, another alternative for Columbus if it's not Ohio State? Um, you know, I'd say that kind of very loosely in that probably not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a couple venues here in Columbus that possibly have seating capabilities, but most are limited by press box size, sure. parking, traffic. Um, that's one of the challenges with Ohio State in football is the limitations on traffic and parking availability. So I don't know if there's really a high school venue and certainly not any of the smaller universities or colleges uh, that are capable. Um, there is talk now that the Columbus Crew SC are moving out and building their own new stadium. There is talk of the company that's taking over uh, current Mothry Stadium uh, if they artificially surface that. In fact, when I was the athletic director at Finley High School, uh, we played Elder uh, in the state semifinals at, uh, at the time Crew Stadium. And it was an awesome venue. But uh, parking is somewhat hectic there. I mean, but again, that's down the road. And it's not that we won't consider it. Gotcha. Um, Obviously, I'm making this a Cincinnati-centric conversation, and I don't mean to do so. But, uh, Ken, as you kind of look toward Thursday and the first game of the state finals, obviously, Maslin and LaSalle, I mean, how happy have you been with Canton here the past few years? I mean, I personally, and I, again, just as you prefaced it, I, I don't mean this one bit against Columbus, Cincinnati, Toledo, any place else. Um, but they have been wonderful. I know that there were some construction issues uh, two years ago when we first went back or three years, whatever it was. But I, I just think, you know, it, it Canton, Stark County, I, I use this term a lot. It's the fiber of the community. Um, and I think one thing Cincinnati has going for it, just like Stark County does, is there are people from that area that do come to the game. I don't think all areas, I'm not a demographer, but you know, not every place is like that. Cincinnati does have that tri-state, you know, football fever down there as well. So, you know, that's, but that's a big positive in Canton right now. And again, that their devotion by the uh, convention and visitors bureau has been wonderful to us. Well, Jerry, I really appreciate your time and perspective and uh, look forward to seeing you in Canton uh, on Thursday night. Thank you. It's a great week and thank you for what you do. And, I look forward to the Cincinnati schools being here, um, you know, and again, it's a, it's a great environment. And I know they'll enjoy it too. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. That was OHSA Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass speaking with me about the state football finals venue there. Uh, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium will host the state football championships for a third consecutive season uh, in Canton this weekend. And uh, that all kicks off Thursday night at 7 p.m. as Maslin takes on LaSalle in Division II state final. We also will have Elder making its fourth state final appearance in program history. LaSalle is also making its fourth state final uh, appearance in program history. But Elder will take on Pickerington Central in the Division I state final at 8 p.m. on Friday. Now I want to turn my attention to Thursday night as LaSalle will take on Maslin in Division II state final. And now I'm pleased to be joined by Maslin independent sports writer Chris Easterling, who covers Maslin. Chris, thanks for taking a few minutes. Hey, thanks for having me on, Mike. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow anything Maslin football this week, c- certainly be sure to check out Chris's coverage. does an excellent job of uh, thoroughly covering the Tigers and their undefeated season this year. And uh, You wrote some interesting things this, uh, this week, Chris, uh, not only about a, the preview of Thursday night and everything, but obviously Nate Moore, one of the storylines this week. Obviously, Nate Moore led LaSalle to uh, its first state football title back in 2014, and uh, lo and behold, uh, the irony of uh, him and Pat McLaughlin being college teammates at the University of Dayton, and you kind of highlighted that this week. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway take from uh, talking to Coach Moore about that relationship? 
you know, I, I think uh, I think he genuinely, uh, you know, is, is happy to see LaSalle continue what was sort of started under his watch, and, and and I think also the fact that you know it's being continued on now by by a guy I think he considers a friend uh, in the in the coaching business, and not just coaching business, but you know, like you know, it's you and, and a lot of people know that uh, you know was a teammate of his at uh, at Dayton, University of Dayton. Uh, I, I just, you know, I was struck by, you know, I just struck how open he was about, you know, appreciating the time, you know, he was at LaSalle, appreciating, you know, the fact that they, they've been able to sustain it. And, you know, and, and, and he, Nate Ward doesn't get wistful too much, uh, <laughs> right. uh, too often. But, but you know, I, I you know listening to him talk about it, there, you could tell it was a special time in his in, in his life and his coaching career, and and it means a lot that he was able to bring that that first day title to LaSalle, and and uh, you know I think that's it. Just again, it sort of has that subplot to uh, to what is already a, a game chock full of of, uh, of subplots on Thursday night. One of the reporters on the media teleconference asked, uh, you know, do you, do you know any of the players or? Any cousins or brothers on this current team that you recall from uh, the state championship team? He said Hildebrand was a name that he recognized, uh, Cole Hildebrand, uh, senior safety on this year's team. But uh, uh, Sam Hildebrand was a standout on that 2014 team. So a lot of connections. You know, I mean, obviously you had a, a player like Jeremy Larkin, uh, who was a fantastic uh, lancer during the course of his career. And, um, you know, certainly you got to believe that Coach Moore, he alluded to that. He, he keeps in touch with some of those uh, players uh, through their, throughout their college days as well. But let's talk about just this uh, current game. Thursday night, obviously, it's. Uh, I think people here in Cincinnati are expecting certainly a uh, a, a pro-Maslin crowd when uh, making the four-hour trip up to Tom Benson <laughs> Hall of Fame Stadium. That's Mr. Obvious saying that, right? Uh, seeing a lot of black and orange in the crowd. But uh, what's, what's kind of the vibe around the Maslin community, around Stark County, is uh, obviously the Tigers going for their first state title. You know, I, I think uh, there's optimism, but but I think uh, you know the one thing you don't have to tell people in Stark County about is LaSalle. Uh, they, they are uh, very familiar with them, obviously. Uh, while uh, the, the first title was won against Nardonia, the last two uh, were won against uh, Perry, uh, Maslin Perry, for those outside of Stark County. So you know, it's a familiar name to to a lot of people up here, and and, and I think. There's a an appreciation for what LaSalle's program is and and the talent on, on LaSalle's program, but uh, I think there's also some optimism that you know this Maslin team is really good and, and it's sort of overcome a lot and you know through uh, you know going through teams like you know you have a backyard rival and Perry in the second round and and then obviously the the Hoban game two weeks ago uh, I, I think they feel like this team is is is, is capable and and even with a you know a dangerous opponent on, on Thursday night they believes they can win that title Chris what's the sense that you get from the players? Uh, after last year, a Division II state runner-up to Hoban, uh, as you mentioned, getting over that hump this year. Um, but Coach Moore said, hey, it, it was not a motivating factor going into this preseason, but he said maybe for some of the players it was. Uh, how much of the, the taste of last year really kind of um, you know prompted the, the great start to this season? 
you know, I, I think it's a little bit. Uh, I, I think if if, if you, you ask the players, uh, you know, they, to be honest, that they, they would tell you that yeah, they, it hurt last year. You know, ending ending with that loss. But to me, I, I, I just think that they are. This is an extremely confident football team. It's been an extremely confident football team dating back to last year, and I just think that they, they played in so many big games that. You know, even that loss, you know, didn't really dissuade them from the thought that, yeah, we, we, they're still capable of winning, you know, winning a lot of games and, and, and winning the state championship. It's just a matter of, you know, again, going out and doing it. And, and you know, you really didn't hear a lot about Hoban, to be honest, in the offseason. You know, you know, obviously people knew that they, they knew how their season ended, but, the goal was always just to get back, you know, just to get back. It wasn't a specific opponent. So so I think it motivated them a little bit, but but I think just the motivation that exists in Mass on to begin with of winning a state title, you know, as sort of the standard, you know, the expectation and goal, uh, I think that was enough beyond just the added motivation from last year. I'm really interested on Thursday night to see this Maslin offense against this LaSalle defense. Obviously, people who have covered uh, and, and watched LaSalle down here will know certainly the, the capability of the LaSalle offense, and that's not to shortchange what uh, junior quarterback Zach Branham or, or senior uh, running back Cam Porter or sophomore running back Jabron Payne, what they've done offensively. But I really am interested to see this uh, Maslin offense against uh, some of this uh, LaSalle secondary. Can you, can you give us a sense of... Uh, what the Tigers have offensively, beginning with the quarterback, Aiden Longwell, and obviously uh, their outstanding receiving core. Well, I mean, again, it starts with, you know, Aiden Longwell uh, rewrote, is rewritten the, uh, you know, second year in Rome, Aslan's had a kid rewrite the record book. Last year was Jameer Thomas in the rushing category. And this year it's, uh, it's Aiden Longwell passing the ball. And, you know, he just, <sighs> game manager has such a, negative connotation but I think it works for him in, in, in the most positive sense of the, of the, of the phrase because he, he does a good job of taking care of the football generally I mean he's got a couple he's had a couple of interceptions over the last few weeks but but by and large does a good job of, does a good job of, of taking care of the football but also has a, has the ability to get the ball to you know two terrific receivers, Jaden Ballard, who's going to Ohio State, and uh, Andrew Wilson Lamp, who um, has multiple Division One FBS offers. Uh, you know, two really good targets, uh, really dangerous targets, and you know the the one thing that really has been sort of interesting the last couple of weeks is is Madison's been able to win. The deeper they've gotten to the playoffs, they've been able to win without having a lot of success throwing the football. You know, Hoban did a good job, save for one uh, big touchdown pass to, to Wilson Lamp, of, of really taking away the taking away the the, the deep ball. And Avon did a, did the same thing. It, it seems like you know teams have decided, look, we're not we'll run the ball all you want, hit all the. You know, throw all that underneath stuff all you want. We're not going to get beat over top, which is how they had been doing it by and large through the first 12 games of the season is they were just taking the top off defenses. But, you know, 
you throw in deep post patterns to, to beat Ballard or Wilson Lamp. The thing is, Maslin's also good running the football. You know, Terrence Keyes Jr. has rushed for 1,500-plus yards, although he missed last week's game with uh, what they said was a, a turf toe injury or something like that, I believe. Um, you know, Zion Pfeiffer is a kid. He's a three-year player that rose to the occasion last week by rushing for 141 yards and, and four touchdowns. Raekwon Vincent's a junior who's, who's gotten some some carries and, and has some ability. So, you know, Madison's been, you know, that's the thing about this offense is it, it, they can do both really well. Uh, and that puts you in a bind, so you really sort of have to pick your poison. The thing is, you, you look at the LaSalle defense, so you know that you got all Division One kids in in the secondary. You got some D one kids in the front seven, front six or seven. So that's what's going to be really interesting because I thought Hoban was the best defense they faced. I think Lasalle might be better because I think Lasalle's better at the back end than Hoban was. Plus, Lasalle's healthier than than Hoban was. Uh, you know when when they went into that game two weeks ago. Defensively for Maslin, what what is uh, your takeaway from what they've done from that standpoint? Just swarming. They've just been, you know, the defense, the offense, you know, it's an old saying, offense sells tickets, sure. defense wins championships. <laughs> and and this defense has been just outstanding. They haven't given up a point in the second half, all playoffs. Um, they've only given up. 28 second half points all season, and most of those have come against Maslin's backups. So they have really been done a good job. They swarmed to the ball well. The safeties, Robbie Page and Luke Murphy, are both outstanding. They can play the pass, but they're really good in run support as well. Um, the, the, the defensive front, uh, kind of a three man line. Uh, Manny McElroy's about about uh, three sixty. He does a good job of plugging in the middle. Caden Bullard's a junior who's really emerged uh, as kind of sort of a hybrid defensive end outside linebacker. He's I would guess seventeen or eighteen tackles for loss at this point, and that's you know obviously a lot of the season. You know these guys didn't play deep into the, deep into the fourth quarter, the second half because. They, they were just rolling teams. But, uh, you know, the linebackers in a hole, you know, Preston Hodges at another outside backer spot, Ben Creek bomb in the middle. I mean, it's experience. It, it's, it, it's, it's very athletic and really good tackling. I, I think if, if I've heard one opposing coach say it, I've heard every opposing coach say it, it seems like, about how good this defense is at tackling. They get to they get to the ball carrier, they swarm them, and they get them on the ground. And, and it's 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 been you know it's been a huge part of this football team's success. Bigger picture here, Chris. Um, obviously, people down here would like to see both GCL South teams, LaSalle and Elder, win state titles. But uh, from a Maslin standpoint, thirty nine playoff wins, the most of any uh, high school football program in the state of Ohio without a state title. Uh, what would a state championship do? for the Maslin <laughs> High School football program and the community and maybe even people who follow it all throughout Northeast Ohio. You're, uh, you're originally from Northeast Ohio, right? Don't so say that too loudly. You, you you're the guest, right? 
when the Cavs won in 2016, <laughs> the celebration that that happened uh, after that. Picture a smaller scale version of that, and that's the reaction that would happen if Maslin won the title on on, on Thursday. I, it's something that you know it's it's coming up on uh, next year. Will be you know they haven't won a playoff title obviously since, since the playoffs started in, in you know 1972. The last time they won a pole championship, you know when that was the determining. Factor that what determined the state champion was 1970. So they know the clock's ticking on 50 years. So if they were able to, uh, if they were able to win uh, win this title, it would be huge, huge for the program because it would eliminate the one thing that detractors and, and those that don't like the you know rivals and all that hold over you know hold over the program's head is that well you never won a playoff title. Well, if they get this playoff title. What what else are you going to what else are you going to hold over them? Because most of you, most of those those criticizing come from programs that don't have nearly the tradition that Maslin has had, and that, that's not to sound you know arrogant or nothing about it. But but I mean, it's, it's reality. You look at the history the program has had; it's 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 been tremendous, but it's just been missing this one little piece and. If they get that one little piece, uh, it's it's going to be quite uh, quite impressive. Chris, really appreciate your time and insight, and uh, hey, I'll see you up there on Thursday night. Hey, looking forward to it, Mike. Have a safe trip up. Thanks again to Maslin Independent reporter Chris Easterling for his perspective on the Maslin Tigers. Up next, we're going to be talking to Jared Ulrey of This Week News in Columbus as Elder will take on Pickerington Central on Friday night. Jared, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, the Tigers have had a fantastic season back in the state championship game uh, after they won it in 2017. And, uh, you know, everybody obviously here in the Cincinnati area would be interested to to uh, see and hear from you about uh, what, what type of team Elder is going to be playing on Friday night. So uh, just give us a quick synopsis of uh, what you've seen from the Tigers this season. Well, they kind of look kind of about the way they do just about every year, which is they're a very physical team. They, they focus on being very physical on defense. That's pretty much the number one thing that the teams they play up here always talk about. Matter of fact, nobody up here even really wants to ever schedule them other than just like the OCC crossovers that they're in, the league games that they have to play. But if you look at their schedule from the last several years, it's pretty much just they're traveling places the first three weeks of the season. They're playing teams in special showcases, things like that. Sounds familiar um, to a lot of our yeah. PCL South teams down here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and they've got this, uh, they've got a very special quarterback, Demetri Crenshaw. He's a three-year starter for them. In the state championship game two years ago when they beat Mentor 56-28, to he scored a state record six touchdowns. He's um, he's more of a running type of quarterback. Uh, as as a lot of you know, the, just the way their system has been the last several years, they they generally are a kind of a power type of running football team uh, with a lot of quarterback runs, and then they'll they'll kind of hit you with some surprise passes or some splash plays, as, as I've heard some coaches call it, uh, to some of their wide receivers, and they've got. A really talented one, and Lorenzo Styles Jr. He is a junior, actually, and he's committed to Notre Dame. And they're not sure whether he's going to be a wide receiver or defensive back, but he's uh, he's extremely fast and a great athlete for him. 
So obviously, I think people down here, Jared, this year thought it would be Menor or Lakewood St. Ed's. Um, you know, if we were fortunate enough to have a Division One representative up there in Canton this year, but uh, uh, obviously, Pickerington Central took care of business, beat Menor last week. Has uh, this been kind of expected from the Tigers this year, or did this kind of did this season uh, early on in the summer? I mean, we're, we're, we're people around the program talking about uh, a trip to Canton or was this kind of one of those teams where, Hey, maybe it's a little bit of surprising that they're making this journey. No, I said they, they kind of expected. I mean, they, they, this program has been in a state semifinal four consecutive years and that's not, there's no fluke involved in that. Now I know that in one of the regions last year, uh, there's, and even this year, I think region two, there's some five and five teams and types, you know, some schools like that that made the playoffs. Uh, region three this year was was pretty tough, and Pickerington Central uh, really didn't have any trouble once they got to the playoffs. As a matter of fact, they they lost the game early this early in the season at Groveport, and I think they they beat them like 27 years in a row or something. I'm not I'm not kidding. Wow. I mean, they they <laughs> just controlled that matchup, yeah. and it was one of those things where they kind of maybe overlooked them a little bit. And then they got a chance to uh, play them several weeks later. But during that time after they beat them, they really weren't even, I mean, they didn't even have any close games, I don't believe, pretty much for the rest of the season. Just kind of helped lock them in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they've had, they've kind of had the feeling with those guys that I mentioned, Crenshaw Styles, and they've also got uh, defensive player Ty Hamilton, kind of a, a hybrid defensive end linebacker who's headed to Ohio State. He's uh, the younger brother of Devon Hamilton, who plays for Ohio State, okay. and he, he's a great player. For great. Um, what do you think? You probably heard the, the coaches talk on the tele- teleconference the other day. Um, what do you think this game comes down to in your mind? Well, I think it comes down to uh, – I mean, they, they were kind of talking about how it, can, it comes down to the line of scrimmage just because – we know that Elder is so good up front uh, with those offensive linemen who, you know, the big-time college recruits that they have. And Pickerington Central uh, is really strong up front on defense, too. Um, you know, will, will Pickerington Central's offense be able to get – I mean, it, the offense hasn't really been a problem for them, but if they get behind, they're not, they're not necessarily the type of team that's – if they fall behind like 21-7 to 7 or something like that, uh, it's it might be a little bit of a challenge for them to come back. They're not a team that's going to be able to score points in bunches very quickly. Jerry, really appreciate your time and insight. Tell everybody where they can follow you and also read your coverage this week. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at, it's called at All Read This Week. That's my Twitter. Uh, and our website is thisweeksports.com or actually thisweeknews.com slash sports. And I'll have a game story Friday night along with several other pieces over the weekend, a column and some sidebars and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always fun being up in Canton. Definitely. Jared, you do a great job. You've been a friend for many years, so really appreciate your time again. No problem. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Again, I want to thank OHSA Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass, who discussed the state football finals venue and the future behind that. Also to two reporters who cover their respective teams in the state finals this week, Maslin Independent reporter Chris Easterling, who covers the Maslin Tigers, and Jared Ulrey of This Week News, who covers Pickerington Central. Again, thank you for listening to the WCPO High School Insider Podcast today. We'll have plenty of coverage for you this weekend, beginning on Thursday night as LaSalle travels to Canton to face Maslin Division II state final.